Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I'm Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Vicar Allen. Hello, hello. Today, we will be discussing your very first sermon that you preached at St. John. How was the experience of your very first sermon at this church? I was very nervous. <laughs> I was very nervous. I was uh, speaking to a lot of members after the service and telling them, you know, maybe we need to install a fan or an AC or something, because <laughs> uh, I was feeling really warm up there. But um, I'm really happy, and, and I thank the congregation for the opportunity to to speak and share God's Word. Well, that's awesome. Well, and at least for myself, I couldn't tell you were nervous at all. I'm sure, I'm sure it's more in your head than what people in the pews can tell. Yeah. But let's go ahead and dive right into your sermon. Tell me a little bit about the text that you preached on. Yeah, so the text comes from Luke chapter 12. Um, Jesus is telling us... Um, certain things. And in many cases, it's one of the most uncomfortable phrases of Jesus. So uh, we, we get to hear about Jesus. He tells us, you know, uh, do not be anxious about anything. He tells us, uh, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we're used to hearing Jesus tell us very nice things. Which is how you started out your sermon, right? You give you gave a bunch of opening statements that we're all really familiar with that Jesus said. But then the last two were the uncomfortable statements. And what do you remember like what those two were from the reading? Yes, the first statement I said, uh, well, Jesus says is, uh, I came to cast fire on the earth, and he wishes that it was already kindled. And the second one was, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, rather division. And just hearing those things come from Jesus does make us uncomfortable. Those are the the first impressions that I got from reading it, and I bet everybody hearing the gospel also felt the same way. So how do we how do we understand Jesus and understand what he was sent to do on earth and what does that mean for us? What was the central teaching of the sermon? Instead of speaking about all the things that Jesus said, the difficulty was picking one thing. And uh, after much discussion with a pastor on the sermon, I wanted to speak on just the first statement um, because it's just so profound. And we think, well, how? what does Jesus mean? What does he mean that he came to cast fire? Uh, what is that all about? Right. So you're talking about verse 49. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. So what is that fire that Jesus is casting on the earth? What is he referring to? So for Jesus, he speaks about casting fire. And we know that the Bible is full of language about fire, especially when it comes to God. And especially in the Old Testament, when we get to read about God was the burning bush that spoke to Moses and gave him the commandments. Um, you know, fire rained down from heaven with Sodom and Gomorrah and even with the prophet Elijah. Um, so there's there's a lot of reference about fire and how God speaks through fire and does things through fire. So it's not surprising that Jesus says about he came to cast fire on the earth. However, for Jesus to say that he is casting fire, um, we wanted to take a deeper understanding of what is that fire? What is that in relation to God? And what it ultimately came down to is that through fire, God spoke. 
God speaks through fire. And whenever God speaks, we know, especially from John's gospel, that Jesus is that word incarnate. He is God's word incarnate. So if God is speaking through the fire, that directly correlates with who Jesus is. He is God's word incarnate. He is the fire of God sent to announce judgment. The issue is we have a negative understanding about what that judgment means. So Jesus' judgment is to announce what God is about to do for the world, which is through Jesus give salvation to all people who repent and believe. And so people hearing God's word, Jesus is going on this journey in Luke and telling the people about the gospel. A lot of people are listening to Jesus. They are following him, but many aren't. So God's word is reaching to the people. And the people who are coming to believing, they understand that it is not judgment against their sin, but rather is the salvation that Jesus is giving to them. So you're saying for those outside of Jesus, those unbelievers, the word that's spoken to them is one of judgment, correct? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, but the judgment is the work that Christ is about to do. And so if we read later later in the text, it says that Jesus has a baptism to be baptized with, and uh, he is in distress until it is accomplished. Uh, well, what is that baptism? We know that there's only one baptism. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And through that, he also says that Jesus is the one that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And uh, our understanding of baptism is that we get baptized by the Word of God that is present in the waters. And we also receive the Holy Spirit, which gives birth to faith and and guides us in our faith. So if Jesus is that fire of God, if he is the word of God that was said to the world, he is the one that baptizes us with that word present in the waters and gives us the Holy Spirit to then live in that faith and to proclaim what Christ has done for us. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. And uh, this does, I mean, his word that he's speaking to everyone in the world. This this word is one of law and gospel. So something in your sermon that I really liked that I thought was profound is you mentioned when Jesus is speaking and saying these words, he is in distress. What exactly do you mean by that? And, and why do you think Jesus is in distress when he's saying these, saying these words? So Jesus is in distress because of us. He is in distress because he wants to accomplish the will of the Father. He wants to achieve that salvation for the world. And he wants us to have that relationship again that was lost because of sin. And Jesus sees the sin around him. He sees the suffering around him. And it just further pushes Jesus to say these words out loud and say, I am in distress until it is accomplished. He, he sees the journey that's ahead of him, right? Luke is taking us on that journey with Jesus through, until he reaches, reaches to Jerusalem. And in that journey, Jesus midway just tells what is inside of him 
he tells all of us that he is in distress because he wants that relationship with us desperately. And he is willing to go through all of that for us. And as a result, we reach to the next part of Jesus' statement where he says that, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, but rather division. So he's also in distress because he knows the work that he's about to do will create division between us and our families. You know, we will be united with God again. We will have that relationship with God again. But as a result of us having that faith, there will be people in our lives that don't have faith, that which will create that division. And so Jesus, after a resurrection, the first thing he says to his disciples and to us today, that peace be with you, because he knows that we live in a world where there are people that don't have faith and we get discouraged and we find ourselves that we don't have peace in our lives. And the first thing that we hear from our resurrected Lord is peace be with you. So it is words of comfort to encourage our faith and to tell us that even though Jesus has made us one with God, he has given us that relationship with God again, that doesn't take away that division and the hostility that we see be between us and our neighbor. And so Jesus is in distress because he sees what's in front of his disciples. He sees what the people are going through in his day and even in our lives today. And he also knows that we'll be in distress as well. So no, I love what you said. I think that's, that's interesting. So uh, we're to still take heart, have that peace, even in the midst of that distress and those divisions that you're talking yes. about. Okay. So I have a here submitted question that I think is, I love it. I think it's really good. And this is talking about the end of your sermon. You talked about sin and how we don't suffer its consequences anymore. I think he was referring to Jesus' death on the cross to atone for our sins, but I also think we do still suffer many consequences of our sins and continually hurt ourselves and our neighbors. Uh, so, Vicar, could you expound on what you meant by that statement about not suffering its consequences, sin's consequences? This directly addresses one of the paradoxes of this world, that we live in a sinful yet redeemed world. So we know that even though Jesus Christ has died for the sins of the world, the sin is still present in the world. You know, even if we come to faith, and that doesn't take us away from the reality of how things are. And what I would say the direct antithesis to this would be where we don't recognize uh, the consequences that are happening as a result of sin, where we don't see our, our neighbors suffering or the hurt that has been done to our neighbors. I think that's the, that's the key thing, that our lives as as... As Christians walking in this world, part of that is also that call to repentance, coming to understand that we are sinful knowingly and unknowingly. Uh, we, we do commit that sin, and we recognize that, and we desperately need God's grace. And we come for that, and we know that our God is so gracious that He always gives us that absolution. He always gives us that grace. Uh, that is abundant and gives us the strength to then address some of the consequences that our neighbors must be facing and to to humble us 
and to bring us into Christ and to be more like him. And that even in the time of distress, to continue walking in that faith and that promise that God gives. Okay, great. So you're saying that because of our sin, um, we do still suffer the consequences with one another, right? Um, those, yes. those divisions, uh, just the, we're, we're sinful. Therefore, sin always separates, right? But then with our Lord, like you said, he always gives us his grace, his absolution. So Right. And, and as Christ, as mentioned before, Christ does address this, that there is a division. There's a division between belief and unbelief. And whenever that division is there, there is going to be sin, there is going to be hurt, there are going to be consequences. And yet Jesus still at that moment gives us that hope and promise that there is a new creation, there is a new life and world to come. And So we pray for that day where sin will not be around us. We will be with our, with our Lord and our Savior and the one that gives us that eternal rest and peace and the one that shows us how we will no longer be hurt in ourselves or hurting our neighbors. No, uh, all tears will be wiped away and we will all live in the unity with God again in the new creation. So whenever we do feel low, or wherever we feel that, oh man, how did this happen? Or um, I really hurt that person. Yes, we do go and apologize to our neighbor and we do ask God for forgiveness, but we do not go discouraged, but instead we become hopeful. And it, it, those are words of encouragement through Jesus that there is a world to come where this we will no longer have to do this. We will be just with Jesus. We will be with God. How did you intend to benefit your hearers and their faith or life in your sermon? I have two answers to that. One is a fun one, <laughs> okay. and, and one is uh, just uh, more Jesus. The fun one is, yeah, don't play with fire. <laughs> don't play with fire. I love that illustration. Yeah. If you play around with it too much, you'll get burned. But uh, from, from a Jesus standpoint, yes, uh, God gives us light. His, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He is the one that shows us. But if we do sin, if sin is still there, um, that light quickly turns into a consuming fire. Um, and that's something that we will see in our next week's epistle reading, that God is a consuming fire. And so that judgment is immediately announced through sin. But as soon as we say the name of Jesus, as soon as we recognize that we are sinful people and ask God for forgiveness, that judgment that was upon us is completely taken away. God's abundance grace covers us completely, gives us that absolution and tells us, no, my word is still that lamp to your feet and light to your path. Continue in faith. So I have to ask, why did you pick this text and not one of the other assigned readings? Because I, I will admit, out of the three, the gospel seemed to be the hardest. You do that on purpose? <laughs> I, I wanted to take on the challenge. Uh, this is, again, I came to this church to get the experience of what ministry looks like. And part of that ministry is saying God's word. I'm preaching God's word to God's to to God's people, and Jesus said these words. We cannot deny it; it's in the text. And if Jesus said it, we have to preach it. Jesus said it because those words are life for us. And even though we feel uncomfortable by it, 
even in there, like we, we, we talked about example before of law and gospel, even though those, those words seem so profound and may seem like law to us, no, there is gospel there because Jesus is saying those words. He is, he is the one that, that reminds us that we are saved. He is the one that gives us God's grace. So there is gospel because Jesus himself is saying it. He is the one that is reminding us of, of that he came to fulfill scripture. He is that completion of God's word. He shows us the fullness of God's word. And even though it may seem like law at the moment, no, there is grace also. Even though it makes it uncomfortable, it doesn't. That's not an excuse not to preach on it and teach it. And as you're studying to become a pastor, like that's good for pastors to educate the congregation like what these words mean. Um, so we're not as uncomfortable with them, and we can still know the gospel, like you said. What was the challenge for you with the sermon process? I think I might have mentioned this before, but the biggest challenge of writing this sermon was how do I narrow it down? How do I pick one thing to talk about? There's a lot in the text. Yes, it was, there was a lot in the text. And there's it goes even further at the end where uh, Jesus talks about interpreting the times, uh, talking about, about his coming. So I haven't even reached to that part of the, of the gospel text. But there's so much to talk about. And uh, that's the beauty of God's word, that every single time that we come to it, we learn even more and more about what Jesus means. And and throughout this whole process, again, it was, well, what do I, what do I, what is the one thing that I talk about? And I just saw the first thing that Jesus said. I just started back at square one and saw what is the first thing that Jesus says. And that's where I thought the Holy Spirit is leading me to talk about, that I'm going to speak on this first verse. And it's right in your face, right away, Jesus says this. Well, let's let's see what that means. Sure. And then a few years down the road, when this reading comes, comes up in the lectionary again, maybe you can focus on a different part. Because I'm sure it is tough to narrow it down at, at times and figure out what, what specifically do you want to focus on in the sermon. Well, this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed the sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. You can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. And I uh, just wanted to thank you, Vicar, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.